Let me take you to the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. The Bible reads, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. This is telling us a little uh, about the nature of God. You know, God is not somebody who has uh, erected a throne somewhere, but he is invisible. And uh, he has very special qualities that we want to uh, just highlight a little bit this morning. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, 28. Jesus is saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You have noticed the first uh, uh, scripture talks about God. The second uh, scripture talks about Jesus. And the third scripture that I'm going to read talks about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by talk, taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are very grateful that this is another day in which we can lift up your holy name. Lord, in which we can adore you and admire you for who you are. Lord Jesus, thank you that we have come to know you. The everlasting and the almighty God. <clears throat> and yet, Lord, you never show off. You never try to <clears throat> impress people with what you have been able to do and what you are doing. So Lord Jesus, today we want to consider your life, your humility, your willingness to lower yourself to become a human being and even become obedient to death and to the cross. Lord Jesus, we want to consider the role of the Spirit in our lives who is uh, remaining in the background, never trying to boast in any way. So Lord Jesus, help us to learn from you, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, we live in a world that is uh, witnessing <clears throat> the struggle for greatness. I think we all realize that uh, there are various levels on which people want to, you know, go up the ladder and become greater and greater. 
And uh, I think we need to understand uh, what God has in mind and had in mind when he created us. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now that's a very well-known scripture. God made us in his own image, in his own likeness. But this is a very important uh, reminder for us. You know, God made, uh, today we would say the hardware, okay, the hardware from the ground, from what was on the, uh, on the surface of the ground. He took from uh, the soil, the soil that was rich in various minerals, and he formed us according to his very artistic plan. You know, he made us in a wonderful and powerful way. Now, there are many creatures that God made, but there was only one creature that uh, God decided to bend down to and blow his spirit into the nostrils of that being. I'm sure you have all seen a lot of animals uh, uh, in different videos and pictures. <clears throat> and yes, of course, they have got a certain kind of consistency, you know, they are some of, the, some of the people are saying we're very closely related to some of them. But, uh, you know, God is a God who created a multiplicity of creatures. That is totally amazing. But then there was only one creature. And that's, I want to repeat it, to whom God bent down in order to blow his spirit into the man's nostril. And you know, that was the software that made everything work. Uh, animals, they have got instinct, they have got life on that level. But human beings have a life that is meant or was meant to be on the level of God himself. Okay, so God gave us his operating system. Unfortunately, along the way, <clears throat> the operating system of God was compromised when man disobeyed God and did not continue walk according to the operating system of God. You know, in, in, in computer language, you would say viruses came into the computer and the viruses destroyed the operating system. And uh, if you ever had uh, a computer that was not working because of viruses, you know uh, what headache that can be until you have... Uh, uh, removed the viruses again, and some of the viruses, they remain, there remains a residue of them inside the system that always keeps you uh, in trouble in one way or the other. Now, when the operating system of God was compromised and we took on another operating system, you know, that's when uh, people followed that operating system of Satan. Okay, and I want you to understand that. You know, that's why in the world today, we are witnessing a struggle for greatness continuously. You know, people want to uh, show off. You know, that's why people use elbows to get to the top and, you know, try to be better than anybody else. 
Now, let me just give you maybe three or four, uh, you know, categories where people want to be great. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we are not supposed to do some of these things that uh, I'm mentioning. You know, it's very important that we do, uh, you know, big achievements, accomplishments, that we are uh, furthering our ability in academia and so on. But what we must understand is that it's not for the sake of us to be uh, great in our own ways, not to be great to boast to other people around us, but just to become a better tool in the hand of the Lord. Now, we can see that human beings have somehow managed to create a competition in almost every area, okay? In the area of achievements, for instance, if you think about sports, you know, there are competitions going on, you know, and uh, the question is always who is on top, who comes out on top of the league, who is going to the Champions League, and, and so on, okay? Who is going to win? And this is true in entertainment, this is true in business, this is true in academia, in so many different areas of life. You know, people are competing. You know, it starts when we are young in, in, in grade one or grade two, you know, who is the one who is on top of the glass, okay? Who has got the best uh, uh, grades to show? And, and of course, this is really coming from the operating system of, of Satan. Because the Bible tells us that he became proud and he tried to, you know, um, lift himself even above God himself. And, and that is the, the, the danger of that operating system. So while all these things have got value, and while there may be uh, some blessings in them, even the Bible says we should run in such a way that we win the prize. But it's not in terms of us uh, boasting and saying we are great, but we have to understand that all these things have got a value that we need to see inside of those different areas of life. We also see, you know, that uh, greatness is measured on influence. What kind of influence somebody has, what kind of impact, impact people have, you know, whether they are uh, innovators, whether they are leaders, whether they are change makers, whether they are motivators, you know, or even in the church, whether they are uh, pastors or, or apostles. You know, one, one of the things that have uh, uh, been really uh, been touched about was when there was a time move within, amongst the pastors, where everybody wanted to, you know, show his greatness in one way or the other. And, you know, the one was uh, having the biggest, and the other one had the fastest, the other one had this and the other. And I felt, you know, somehow this is not really what God has called us for. God has called us to serve him in humility. And what God is doing through our ministry, you know, uh, that is up to him. As long as we do the best that we can, we should do that. Okay? We know today there are motivators. We, we, we know today, you know, and, and, uh, there are whole television programs which uh, are run by people who are uh, good speakers, you know, who can make, make people laugh or can make people 
do kind of things that they would love to them to do. But in, this, in, in, in the operating system of God, there is no such thing, you know, where people outdo each other. Another area of influence is fame and recognition, okay? Popularity, visibility, uh, you know, especially today when we have all types of different media, not only television, but uh, social media and, uh, you know, so many different types of media. People can manage to put themselves into the limelight and become celebrities. You know, some people are so well known that you would see them in the street and uh, you would know who this person is. But does it this make, make such a person great? That's another question, you know. He's just known. Uh, for instance, you may see newsreaders and you know them because they're on TV. Or you may be able to see people who are well-known like me, you know. Very often people talk to me because they recognize me from the screen. But it's not that which makes somebody great. What makes us great are different values altogether. And that's very important to understand. Okay? So we need to be careful with this kind of things. I'm sure all of you have heard of the Guinness Book of World Records. Okay? Uh, anybody today can, you know, go through the Book of World Records and think, where can I do better than one of those guys who was there before me? So that you also become a record holder in this world. Okay? Whether you manage or not, doesn't matter. But people do that, you know? I mean, like, uh, there are people who are constantly on the lookout on areas where they could be able to, where they think they could do better than somebody else, and then they go for it, okay? The value of such a record may be very questionable because, you know, it may not really add anything to the well-being of our world except that you are now known to be a record holder, that you are now great in the eyes, at least, of the Guinness Book of World Records. But I want you to understand that there are other things that God is looking for. And you know, when we talk about the operating system of God, it's very different from the operating system of this world. Very different from the operating system that Satan has tried to inject into mankind. And of course, that operating system needs to be replaced by God's operating system again. And that comes only in a certain way, and I'll talk about that uh, shortly. According to scripture, greatness comes from a good character. Greatness could be described by good values, biblical, strong values, good virtues, okay? It could be described as integrity, humility, and wisdom. All these are values that God recognizes, okay? And not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of God. And of course, there's a difference as well. So what makes us to have a lasting impact is not what we can do uh, to make our, our, our name shine out better than any other. But what makes us to have a lasting impact is when we are making the life of other people better. Because through... Uh, what we do in other people's life, 
you know, we are going to have an impact into, you know, another family, another generation or generations. And that's really what God would love to see in each and every one of us. Now, let me talk about gods, okay? Whoever is proud can never commune with God, okay? Because God says very clearly that he opposes pride, okay? He opposes pride because God is not proud at all. There is no trace of pride in God. Of course, God is great. He's the greatest. He's the almighty. He's the all-powerful. But he doesn't need to try and show off. He doesn't need to boast because he is who he is, okay? And what we must understand is that God wants us to learn from him. God wants us to be like him. So the Bible says, for since creation of the world, God, God's invisible qualities, his, his eternal power and divine nature have been seen clearly. Now, how do we see God? I mean, you can't see God because he's invisible, okay? So what you see of God is indirect, okay? Is what he accomplishes, what he's doing. And it's very important that we understand that. You know, if God wanted, he could have erected a very powerful mountain in the center of the world, and then he would have been, have been on top of that mountain with a powerful throne, and everybody would realize, okay, this is God. But God has not done that. In fact, God is invisible, okay? And many people never come to recognize him, never come to see him, because they are not willing to go the God way. And the God way is a way of humility. You know, we cannot know God in any other way. You see, when, when Satan tried to uh, become proud and, uh, you know, erect himself uh, on the mountain of God, you know, then God expelled him and he came down. And, and this is very clear that God tells us that he is opposed to pride. Let me just read a few uh, short verses here in the book of James. James chapter 4 verse 6, the Bible says, but he gives us more grace. Praise God. That's, that's wonderful. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now that's a statement that we must know because, you know, pride is something that God will not tolerate. Pride is something that God cannot accept in his, in his, uh, uh, in his vicinity, in his, in his uh, uh, world, because pride is opposite to his operating system, okay? When God gave man the operating system that came through the spirit of God and he was breathing that spirit into man, pride was not part of that, okay? It was... Completely the opposite. Pride came through the operating system of Satan. And that's why we are advised, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Give, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning, 
and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's a very powerful scripture. So in other words, if we want to know God, if we want to come into a, a fellowship and, and close relationship, into a koinonia where we can commune with him, then we must humble ourselves. In fact, we must become like God. And you know, God is humble. God is not boasting. God is not going around the, the cities of this world. He has not the most widely watched television channel. He could all have that, okay? And God says, if you're interested, you can just watch the universe. You can watch the skies. You can watch the creation, and you will see that there is somebody who has created all of these things and that God is great. But God is not boasting in any way at all, okay? So he remains invisible, and only those who are willing to humble themselves will have access to God, will find entrance into the fellowship with the living God. You know, there were people in the Old Testament, the people of Babylon, and uh, they said, well, we want to be like God, okay? So in other words, uh, they were of the opinion that maybe if they're great enough, maybe they could shake hands with God somewhere up on top when they had built their tower. And so they built the Tower of Babylon. And uh, of course, they never finished it because God came down and looked at it and he says, that's the wrong way. That's not the way you can shake my hands. That's not the way you can come into communion and fellowship with with me. And so God opposed the pride of the Babylonians and he scattered them and uh, that was the beginning of all the different languages, languages in our world. So you can see that pride will never make us, make us equal to God or, or similar to God. But on the contrary, pride is making us equal to Satan. And God wants us to be different. God wants us to be having the nature of God. So clearly, uh, whatever you are reading of God in the, in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, it never describes God in a form, okay? In fact, one of the first commandments is that we must not make any, you know, depiction of God, any idol of God, because everything else is idol. So God cannot be uh, squeezed into a form that human beings can make. God cannot be fitted into our brain. Otherwise, you know, our brain would be God, because if, our, if God can be, can be smaller than our brain, then, then, of course, the brain would be God, okay? But God cannot fit into our brain no matter what. So we must understand, you know, that God is a God of humility. And we find access to God when we humble ourselves before God. Amen? And that's when we become truly great. I will maybe talk about this a, a few times. You know, in, in uh, James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he, God himself, he will lift you up. That's the promise of God. So in other words, as long as we are proud and we lift ourselves, God will just watch it, okay? 
And maybe at one time he will come and look at what you have done and says, mm -mm, that's not going to work. And he says, go and start afresh. Okay, that's what he did with the Tower of Babylon. So they, were, they, they could not continue that tower because it was development in a wrong direction. And then they had to, you know, uh, go into different direction because they could not understand each other. And they had to start afresh. And think about their pride. It's very interesting, you know, that God teaches us that we all need to learn. We all need to be transformed because of that wrong operating system that is inside of us, we need to reform. Okay? Now, let me go a little further and talk about Jesus. Okay? I've talked to you about the Father, and the Bible tells us that we should pray our Father who is in heaven, but we should not make a picture of him. We should not, you know, draw some nice painting and hang it on the wall and say, this is my God, because you can't. He is not somebody who can be reduced to a picture or reduced to, a, to an idol in any way at all. He is God. He is the almighty. He is the all-powerful. You know, uh, no creation can contain him. Not even the highest heavens can contain God. That's what scripture tells us. Okay? And if you think the universe is great, and it is, you know, it's nothing compared with the highest heavens. Okay, and the Bible tells us even the highest heaven cannot contain God. This is amazing, isn't it? Now let me come back to that scripture I've been reading from the book of Matthew. This gives us an indication, gives us a depiction of the nature of Christ. Okay, and uh, when we look at Jesus, we, we, we know that Jesus was a very humble human being, okay? Why do I tell you that he was a humble human being? Because he was not even supposed to be human. He was supposed to be the son of the living God. You know, he has been from everlasting to everlasting. And for him to become human, that was a great step down. That was a huge humility for him to agree to that. So let me remind us of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And you know, that's a wonderful, a wonderful invitation that Jesus gives us, that we can learn from him. Okay, there are a lot of lessons that we can learn from Jesus, and we should learn these lessons. And then he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in other words, the way we can come to know Jesus, the way we can have entrance into the uh, fellowship with God, into uh, the koinonia of God, is that we become like him, humble and gentle. And that's very powerful because that's when we find rest for our souls. 
You know, as long as we are hunting for greatness in this world, as long as we are trying to, to build our towers higher than everybody else, we will never find rest for our souls. But when we are walking with Christ, you know, when we are learning from him, that's when we find rest for our souls. And that's a promise that God has given to us, that when we come to him, learn from him, humble ourselves like he did, when we become gentle as he is, then, you know, rest will come into our hearts and souls and our lives will be transformed altogether. Let me take you to the book of uh, uh, Philippians. Okay, I think we are all uh, very familiar with the book of uh, Philippians. Verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Okay, this is the way of Jesus, okay? Very powerful, okay? Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only on your, to your own interests, and uh, please note this, uh, the Bible does not say you should not uh, uh, consider your own interests, but you should balance your interests with the interests of others, okay? Because we are not alone in this world. You know, we have brothers, we have sisters, we have families, we have acquaintances, we have colleagues, we have so many people around us, and we should not just pursue our own interests, but we should also look at the interests of others. If this simple instruction would be heeded by the whole of mankind, there wouldn't be a war, okay? There wouldn't be innocent people dying because some people uh, want to take over their lands, okay? We see these things happening, you know, uh, right in front of our eyes, you know? We just switch on the news, you know, read on the internet or go on the international news. You, you will see how people are dying constantly, okay? But you don't even need to go as far as that, okay? You can actually stay home in Zambia. And, you know, if... if this word would be heeded. There would not be any GBV. Are you with me? There would not be any violence, gender-based violence, anything else. In fact, there would not be stealing. Okay? There would not be crime. If everybody would heed that word of Jesus, our, our prisons would be empty. Because when we are not just pursuing our own interests, but also the interests of others, and we balance those interests, the interests of others as well as our own interests, then there will be harmony, okay? And of course, we know that people who are not submitting themselves to Christ cannot do that. But we as Christians, we must learn that. And we must be a good example in that regard that we can be able to display the nature of Christ. You see, Jesus had his own interests. Of course, he was with the Father. And that's why at one time he says, Father, if it's possible that this cup of sin and, and, and uh, you know, all the, the, the evil of this world will pass me by, I would rather have that, okay? 
So he had an interest. He, he, he wouldn't have wanted to be separated from his father. But then he said, but not my will, but your will be done. Because, you know, he was in a unique position as a human being and he had interests like each and every one of us has interests. But then he was not considering his own interests above the interests of all of us here today or of the people who lived at his time. He was interested in all of us finding salvation, in all of us coming into the, uh, the very presence of God, in all of us uh, being able to know God as our father. And that's why Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Okay, so this very simple instruction would solve all the world's problems if everybody would heed them. But unfortunately, we know that people do not heed those or that instruction in particular. Okay, so your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. If it would be, we would bring salvation to many other people, just like Jesus has done. Would reach out with the good news. We would give him, you know, the necessary things that he said we should do, you know. I mean, at one time Jesus said, you know, uh, when I was naked, you closed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Or So the other group, he said, you didn't. And they said, but where did we do this? And he says, whatever you have done to the least of mine, you have done it to me. So in other words, whatever you are able to do to a brother, to a sister, to an enemy even, okay? That is what you have done to Jesus. Jesus puts himself into the position of those who are in need, in those who are suffering, in those who need help. Okay, even a glass of cold water, he says, will not be forgotten. Imagine. So Jesus gives us that challenge. Okay, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Okay, so in other words, he was, he was already with the Father. He was already God, eternal. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were for, for, from eternity passed together. And he was not holding on to it, but he was willing to let go for our sake. Okay? So he humbled himself because we needed help. We needed salvation. And we had no means, no ability to save ourselves. We could not have done anything that would have brought us out of the ditch. He had to come. He had to do that. Okay? The Bible says in verse 7, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. Okay? The, the one who was God became man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death like a sinner. Because only sinners would die. But he humbled himself. He became a man. He put himself into our shoes. He became like us. And so he never sinned. He was, he was willing to even go to the cross and die on our behalf. Because he knew only that would 
bring us salvation. So he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus became a servant. And Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says, the greatest among you will be your servant. And of course, Jesus was the servant of all. You know, uh, if you read the, the Gospels, you find from time to time the, uh, the disciples were calling who is the greatest amongst them. Now, I want you to understand, in God's economy, everybody is great because God made us, okay? God has given you unique abilities, unique uh, uh, features that no one has apart from you. And that's why you cannot compare. You, know, you can't compare bananas with oranges. Which one is greater? Okay, they're different. You can't compare them. Okay, you can't compare cabbage and tomatoes. What do you like? Okay, maybe you say, I like the one and I don't like the others. As far as I'm concerned, I don't like tomatoes, you know. Uh, but, but on the other hand, you know, you can't compare them. Who is greater? Okay. God has made a variety of uh, wonderful things in his creation, whether they are, they are plants, whether they are creatures, uh, you know, in the air, on the land, in the sea. Uh, he has made everything beautiful. And there's no need for us to compete or compare which one is better than the other. I mean, even you, don't fall into that trap to try and be better than anybody else. No, you are you. There's nobody like you. Your fingerprint is unique in the whole world. Of all the billions of people who are living or have been living in this world, you are the only one who has got that unique fingerprint. Can you imagine that that little, that little part of your, of your finger, all of your fingers, is so unique, you know, that eight billion combinations can be there in the world. And uh, every day, new people are being born who have got a different fingerprint who have got different talents, who have got different gifts, who have been, you know, created by God in a very, very unique way. That's amazing. Okay? So let's understand that in God's kingdom, we don't have to fight who is greater. And if we understand that, then there doesn't need to be fights. There doesn't need to be wars. There doesn't need to be crying because we can all be able to uh, live in the greatness that God has given to each and every one of us in a very unique way. Verse 8 in Philippians says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Okay, and that's where the turning point comes. And that's what is important for all of us to understand. You know, when we have humbled ourselves, when we have gone the way of sacrifice, giving ourselves wholly and fully to the Lord, then God will come in. And the Bible says in verse 9, therefore God, okay, Jesus humbled himself, he became a servant, he became obedient to 
even die and die on a cross for all of us, which he didn't even need to do because never, he never sinned. But he did it, okay, for us. And then the Bible says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And under the earth, and every tongue confessed that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is powerful. Now, in case you think now, when somebody becomes so great, then he can be proud. Not at all. Actually, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, we read that when finally everything has been accomplished, then Jesus will everything hand over to the Father and will humble himself under. The rule of the Father. This is amazing. Okay? So in other words, there will never be a fight of who is greater or better or who will be first or who will be second. That is not happening. Currently, you know, the football guys, uh, those of you who love football, you are fully aware, you know, the leagues are coming to the end or have come to the end. And... Uh, there are some lots and lots of tears because some people hoped to win and then they are not winning. Okay? And uh, others, others, you know, I mean, like in, in, in Germany yesterday, they, had, they, they finished the league and the one who was first and was supposed to just have a last win didn't win. And so, again, it went to the other who have already won 11 times. You know, so it happens. You understand? So there are a lot of people who are in tears today and their, their week is, is, is completely destroyed for, for, you know, maybe this week or somebody said the legacy will always be remembered we lost that game. <laughs> and that's just a football game, you know. Just because people, you know, they put so much emphasis on being great, okay. Those of you who are watching Premier League, I, I'm not sure. I think it's already decided, isn't it? I'm sure they have not finished yet. But anyway, uh, you see, greatness should come from God, not who can kick the ball better. <clears throat> this can be a game, no problem. But you know, when it becomes such a, uh, such a, uh, uh, <clears throat> when, when, when such a situation arises that people cannot be losers anymore, then something is wrong. Okay. If you go into any competition with somebody, you must be willing to win and you must be willing to lose. And, you know, in the world, it's always like that. You win some and you lose some. And when you lose, you should congratulate the winner. If you cannot congratulate the winner, that means you are proud. Isn't it? That means something is wrong with you inside. So we must learn from Jesus who is gentle and humble in heart, okay? Who is bearing with our weaknesses, who is teaching us. And that's why he says, come and learn from me. Now let me take you a step further, okay? Let me just finish that thought, you know. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every other name. Praise the Lord. So when you humble yourself, you don't need to worry about how do I reach the top. God will get you to the top. Amen? If you try to get on, uh, onto the top in your strength, in your power, in your pride, 
you will fail. You remember that, uh, that uh, illustration that is in many offices. I don't know whether it's still there, but in some offices, I think it's still hanging, you know, where it says, you know, be, be careful on your way up. Somebody climbing the ladder, be careful on your way up or be friendly on your way up because uh, you may need the people when you come down. <laughs> and then there's this uh, illustration where somebody crashes back to the ground. Are you going to be kept or caught by others who you have done well? Or let they just see you crash and say, ah, of course, he was a proud guy. So it serves him right. I hope it should not happen to all of us. Okay? We should be people who are reaching out, who are service, uh, in service to others uh, in order to live the nature of Christ and do good to other people in our lives. Now let me talk about the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit is misunderstood mostly, you know, more than the Father and the Son because the Holy Spirit does not speak about himself. Okay? The Holy Spirit is never boasting in any way. The personality of the Holy Spirit is a mystery. The Bible tells us that the Spirit knows all things, even the deep things of God. Okay? But as I said in the beginning, you know, there is no description, there is no picture, there is no, uh, you know, uh, details about how God could look like and that we are not even allowed to, to make a depiction of God, that is even more true for the Holy Spirit. Now we know that God is spirit and the Holy Spirit is spirit. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is a very mysterious personality. And Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit that it will come and be with us. Okay? John chapter 16, verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you know that the spirit of truth is here today? Do you know that the Holy Spirit is making room, you know, feels at home with everyone who is a child of God? And the Bible is clear. When he comes, he will guide us into all truths. Okay? Jesus said a lot of things. And, you know, in the Bible, there are so many scriptures that you may not all remember. But when the Holy Spirit is on your side, he will remind you. Okay? We have all heard a lot of teaching and preaching. And, you know, we hear it and forget it. But the Holy Spirit will remind you about the wonderful things that God has said in his word. And he will speak only what he hears, okay? He's not boasting. He will only, you know, live in very close cooperation with the Father and with the Son. Remember, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus would not just go and do whatever came into his mind on a day, but he would always ask the Father about the agenda for that day. And that's why, you know, he could do so many powerful things because he was not just doing things out of... Uh, impulse. He was guided by the Father. He was guided 
by the Spirit. And that's what Jesus is promising us. That the Holy Spirit will come and he will bring glory to Jesus by taking from what is from him and making it known to us. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So in other words, the Spirit is a mediator. Okay? God has sent his Spirit to mediate, okay, to bring to us from the Father, from the Son, what he wants us to uh, enjoy, what he wants us to have, the knowledge, the abilities God is going to give to us. Let me take you to the book of Acts. Today we are celebrating uh, Pentecost. And I want to just read to you the book of Acts, verse 1 to 4. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Who is all? Not all the people of Jerusalem, not all the Pharisees and the tax collectors, not everybody there in Israel, but all who trusted and believed in Christ, 120 of them, okay? They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, if you would have asked the 120, have you seen the Holy Spirit? What would they have told you? No, you didn't see him. What you see is when the Holy Spirit comes is the outworking of what he does. It's the effects. Okay, it's like the wind. Can you see the wind? No, you cannot see the wind, but you can feel the wind, okay? Or when you look at the tree and the, the, the tree, the, the branches and the leaves are, are, are moving, then you see there's wind. But you can't see the wind. And that's why wind is a very powerful illustration of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. But he's not boasting. He's not trying to make himself centerpiece of everything. In fact, the Holy Spirit will only come to people who humble themselves. The Holy Spirit will never come to people who are proud. Okay? And that's why it is so important that we learn that lesson. You know, greatness is rooted in humility. It's very important. So, the effects of what happened in the book of Acts were so powerful that you know, even so, they were together, 120 people, but God gave them a platform to speak to the whole city. I don't know how he did it, but, you know, that's what happened. Before, before too long, you know, people were getting uh, amused. They said some people are drunk as early as 9 o'clock in the morning. And they said, we are not drunk, you know, but we've got a message for you. Okay, that was... A great celebration, you know, that was the Feast of Weeks that was celebrated in the Old Testament. And God used that Feast of Weeks, which was, you know, a first fruit to be given to the Lord, 
you know, this is, this is what God used now to be Pentecost. It was the first fruit. Christ now is elevated to be the son of the living God, the savior of mankind, and beginning the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was the first fruit in many ways. Okay? And this happened on that day. Okay, so one could have said they were in a room like us here. You know, if, if, if something amazing happens, something powerful happens, how do other people in the city know? But I don't know how God orchestrated it. He gave them a platform that they could speak to the whole city, to thousands and even 3,000 of them, 3,000 of them got saved that day. Okay? The feeble man, Peter, who denied Jesus three times, became a powerful apostle on that day. And he was able to speak the gospel. And he spoke it in such a powerful way that, you know, that people were saying, what must, must we do to get saved? And he was not doing it in the power of man. He was doing it in the power of the Spirit. There was nothing to boast about. There was something God did in this man. He transformed him from somebody who could deny Jesus to somebody who could testify him for him in front of thousands and not be afraid, you know. He ran away from one servant girl, but then he was able to speak with boldness in, in, in front of thousands. That's the nature of the Spirit, okay? And that's what God wants to do in each and every one of us, okay? God has sent us the Spirit to be with us forever. That's his promise. And that's what we need to recognize. Let me just read you quickly the parable just to you know, get the balance between greatness and humility right. Okay? Jesus told us a, a, a parable in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 9. Then Jesus told this story to someone who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned anyone else. Unfortunately, such people are still in our world today, unfortunately. Okay? Then Jesus spoke this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Maybe he pointed to him. Okay. I fast twice a week. I give you the tithes of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. <clears throat> Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Let me stop for a moment here. There were two people who went to pray, but one did not pray. One had a message to the people who were listening. He says, look at me. Look at my righteousness. Look at how powerful I am. What am I, what I'm doing for, for God? That was not prayer. And I don't think God was ever interested in such a prayer. And please, don't pray like that, because that is a waste of time, a waste of breath. 
But there was a prayer, a very simple prayer that God heard when this uh, tax collector prayed. And he said, oh God, be merciful me for, to, to me for I'm a sinner. You know, he humbled himself. He knew that he was not on top on the, on the mountain there, but he was, he was really a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, this sinner, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow. A very simple, very straightforward, very basic rule in the kingdom of God. And very easy for each and every one of us to adhere to. Okay? Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who are trying to exalt themselves, they will be humbled. So what we must remember is that God wants us to close ourselves with humility as we read in the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Okay? Close yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The one problem that we have as human beings is that we, we do not see our pride. Okay, that's why we have to come together. We have to learn from Jesus so that, you know, he can point out the pride in our lives and remove it from us. Because pride is very deeply seated. Like I said earlier, or it comes from the operating system of Satan. But the reason God leads us into tough spots in our life, maybe even into suffering, is so that we learn humility. Okay? Come to me, Jesus says. Learn from me. And that's what he wants us to learn. Even Jesus had to learn obedience from what he suffered. You can read that in the book of Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 7 to 10. You know, it's a very, very powerful scripture. Even Jesus had to learn obedience because he was a man. He was human. He came into a human likeness, okay? And so he had to learn to overcome just like the first Adam, you know, was tempted he was also tempted. Unfortunately, Adam failed, but Jesus did not. Okay? So Jesus had to learn obedience from what he suffered. And when we suffer, you know, God doesn't want to crush you. God doesn't want to finish you. God wants you to learn. God wants you to make the best out of that experience. So we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's our best strategy for greatness. Okay, God wants us to be great as he is great. Because one day we, are, we ought to rule with him. One day we should be in his family in this wonderful koinonia fellowship, you know, the family fellowship uh, and sit with him and be with him. And then we must be like him. Okay, we must not be like the devil. That doesn't fit there. We must be like him. Not people who are proud, who are lifting themselves up, but people who have learned to be humble and have been able to be lifted up by God himself. Being God's very own family, 
that brings us greatness. Okay? And we will be in God's family because we are rooted in humility. Greatness is rooted in humility. So remember, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have never shown any pride. I've never shown off. You know, the Father hides himself. He's invisible. And he's accessible for all those who humble themselves. Those who are willing to repent. And God lifts them up. Like this, this tax collector who has said, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God loves that prayer and he lifted him up. And that's what he wants to do with every one of us. Do you know that you are made by God for greatness? Okay. We all are made for greatness and not that one is greater than the other. Okay. In fact, when we are encouraged to run in such a way that we win the prize, it's not one who can win the prize. You know, if you are in a championship, only one can be getting a gold medal. If you are second, sorry, then it's only silver. If you are third, then it's only bronze. If you are fourth, sorry for you, you get nothing. Okay? But in God's economy, in God's kingdom, we all are able to win the prize. Amen? Because God has made us in such a way that we can all be able to fit into his family and make a wonderful, great contribution because God made us great. Okay, God made us for greatness. But greatness does not come by us to lift ourselves up or to be proud. But greatness comes as we have seen in the word of God. Okay, God the Father has remained hidden. No one has ever seen God. I mean, there are some specialists you can check in, uh, in uh, YouTube. They are saying, I've seen God. Sorry, no one has seen God, okay? Only Jesus, okay? When he was the son of God and when he went back with the father, he's sitting at the right-hand side of the father. But human beings can't see God. The Bible says you can't see God and live, okay? The moment you see God, you fall dead. But God has made himself accessible to each and every one of us through humility, through repentance, we can enter into the greatness of God. And God said he's going to lift us up. Jesus, we have seen how humble he was. How he was doing everything in humility for our sake. And look at the Holy Spirit, how he came Simply to serve all of us. You know, the Holy Spirit has no business in this world except to serve us. That's his business. That is his work. In order to bring from the Father what the Father wants to be in our lives. Okay? He wants us to be filled with the Spirit from above. And the Holy Spirit is making it happen. Okay? He makes the wind blow. Okay? He makes the Spirit move in our lives in a wonderful way. He's not speaking about himself. That's why if you want to know more about the Spirit, you know, then you better 
get yourself into the wind of the Spirit so that you feel, you know, how he moves. But we can't depict the Spirit. We can't depict the Father. You know, and even when you depict Jesus, you can only depict him when he was human. But you don't know how he looks like today at the right-hand side of the Father in heaven. So, brothers and sisters, let us today open up our hearts. Okay? Let us, you know, be ready to receive what God has sent the Holy Spirit to bring to us into our world. And I want to encourage you, let us stand up together. And if you are hungry for more of God, you know, you know the way. It's very simple. All we need to do is what this tax collector did. He says, Father, oh God, be mercy on me, a sinner. Okay? When we humble ourselves, when we repent, when we are saying, God, give me grace. He will give us grace if we are laying down the pride of our lives. And you know, as I said, sometimes it's difficult for us to see the pride in our lives. That's why God leads us to certain spots in our lives so that we come to recognize that this needs to be removed from us. So at this moment in time, I want us to take some moments and, uh, you know, just like we have been reading that the people of uh, Jerusalem, the believers of Jerusalem, they were together, 120 of them, and they were all in one accord. They were praying together, and that's when the Holy Spirit came. Thank God we are children of God, most of us at least. And I want to assure you, God has sent not only Jesus for each and every one of us, so that we have life in him, have it life in abundance. But he also sends the Holy Spirit so that we have guidance, so that we have the fullness of the Spirit, that we have joy, that we have the energy. Just look at Peter. You know, Peter was a feeble man, denying his master three times. But when the Spirit came, he was a different man. He was bold was ready to preach. The same people they were hiding from when Jesus was crucified and buried, you know, now they didn't need to hide anymore. They came into the public, into the open. They were no longer afraid of the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, that he would nail them to the cross. In fact, they were full of joy, full of power, because God did a mighty miracle in their life. So let us take a moment to pray and uh, we want to ask the Lord to do something special in our hearts and lives today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come now Holy Spirit and move over us let your Holy Spirit come and take control in every situation that has troubled my mind. 
risk is unburdened unto you. I rule. Jesus, all our cares and burdens we bring to you right now. Lord Jesus, we pray, let your spirit move in our midst in a powerful way. Lord, we thank you so much that we can be in the community of the saints, Lord, that we can bow ourselves down in our hearts, Lord, humble ourselves, close ourselves with humility. Chokora shandiala patasina. O Goroshona na makasina na makasela vatunema. O Koshina mayesu la giana yesu le pusina. O Rabotsondo lo sokosha. Lord, come afresh upon each and every one of us. Lord, come afresh upon your people, Lord. Lord Jesus, come afresh upon each and every one of us. And Lord, all the things that are standing in the way, Lord, deal with them, Lord. Deal with those issues that are hindering us, Lord Jesus. Olotora Savaramania Namateto, O Chilora, 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 O Shela Vacada Masekoshina, Endalepo Namakushe, Adara Vatala Vatoro Botoro Bosoro Boseta Shaka, O Sepore Socoro Sondo Lobokoshe, Alavara Vacashila Vatania Makoshilo, O Chila Vatana Maninda Vosika Vasana. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, move in our midst. Lord, lift up, lift up your people, Lord Jesus, lift up your people, Lord. Lord, those who are out and down, those who are crushed, Lord Jesus, Lord, lift them up in a mighty and powerful way. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Mother Matina. 
Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much. Lord Jesus, today we are in your presence. And Lord, you know the cares and burdens that we are struggling with, Lord. You know, Lord, what keeps us on the ground. Lord Jesus, help us in these very moments, Lord, not to depend on our own abilities, but Lord, to wait upon you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. Lord, it is never your wish, it is never uh, your, your intention that the Holy Spirit should just be there for a short moment, for a highlight, but you want us to, to, do, to be with the Holy Spirit every single day, in communion with him every single day. Lord, you want us to experience your greatness and your power in our lives. And Lord Jesus, today we are here, humbling ourselves, Lord, kneeling down before you in our hearts, Lord, making room for you, Lord. Where we have gone wrong, Lord, we repent. Lord, we repent because we know this is the entry point where you can lift us up. So, Lord Jesus, we, we want to humble ourselves. Lord, we want to say, come into our hearts, into our lives. Lord, where we have tried to be somebody who we are not, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. Lord, I pray that you help us to forget about the system, the operating system of this world, which Satan has been uh, trying to sell us so that we make ourselves more important than we really are. But Lord, we are important, not in the world, but in your kingdom we are important. Because we are unique. There is no one like each and every one of us that you have made in your own likeness in a very unique way. Lord Jesus, let each and every one of us recognize that. Lord, let us all recognize that we are beloved of the, of the Lord. And Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit move in our hearts in a fresh way. Lord, in a way that we have never experienced it before. Lord, we want to open up our hearts. That's all we need to do, Lord. We don't have to prove how powerful we are. We don't have to prove how, how great we can, we can be or how high we can rise. All we need to do is, Lord, as you have told us today, is that we humble ourselves. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you, Jesus, are humble in heart that you are gentle. And Lord, you have sent the Holy Spirit for people like us. You have sent the Holy Spirit to be with, with each and every one of us. Lord, so that we are not orphaned, so that we are not forgotten, that we are not neglected, that we are not feeling inferior to anybody else. Because now we are not inferior. We are children of the most high God. You have a special place prepared for each and every one of us. Because we all are loved by our Father in heaven. We are all loved by our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has died for each and every one of us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you would have come even for one of us. For me if there was only me in this world. And so I want you to understand, my brothers and sisters, that Jesus has come for you. Even if you would be the only one, he would still have died for you. 
And so don't think the Holy Spirit is for others. No, the Holy Spirit has come for you. He doesn't want you to be an orphan. He doesn't want you to, to depend on your own grabbing and scratching, but he wants you to depend on him for all that which he has prepared for you. And he will bless you in a mighty way. So Lord Jesus, as we have been singing, all our cares and burdens, we bring to you, we lay them down at your feet. And we ask you, Lord, receive us. Receive us once again as we are. And Lord, we are content when we have you, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And when we have the Holy Spirit whom you have promised as the gift of the Father. So that everything that the Father has intended to be in our lives can be found in each and every one of us. So Lord, we give you praise and we give you honor. Lord, let your blessings rest upon us. Let the fullness of the Holy Spirit come upon each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.